Welcome to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spees. Thank you, folks, for joining us. This week, we've got a fantastic program. First of all, the Crude Life Week in Review. We take the best interviews from the past week, and we put them on here as a review, if you will. Of course, all of our interviews are exclusive, and they're available at thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. For those of you wondering about the Davis Refinery, well, we've got William Prentice, the CEO of the Meridian Energy Group on today's program. Fantastic interview, really. It's going to take pretty much the whole program. Uh, We talk with him about a number of different things, including a study that they just received that indicates the cars that go through Theodore Roosevelt National Park actually produce more emissions than what the refinery is that they're proposing. So we get into a little bit of a scientific breakdown, if you will, uh, talk about the North Dakota Public Health and the air quality permit. Belfield, North Dakota is where the permit is where the refinery is coming, and they're going to be breaking ground this summer. They've had two years of legal battles and just an abundance of repetitive uh, complaints, really. I mean, I think they had like 11,000 responses, public responses, and like, 98% 98% of them were copy and pasted from uh, different organizations. So there's there's an environmental movement that is coming up against the fossil fuel mu- movement. And it's going all the way to the president of the United States with Elizabeth Warren now coming out saying that uh, she wants to ban drilling. So the conversations are getting a little extreme, folks. They're getting a little extreme. And we're not a political program. In fact, we pride ourselves on being a non-political program. I mean, when you can't even watch ESPN without getting politics, we feel pretty good that we don't get into the world of politics because you can get it everywhere else. So we try to be non-political. When we discuss the environment, we do not believe that's political anymore. We don't believe it's political. No, it's gotten to the point to where the narrative is insanity. Where the narrative is let's get rid of fossil fuels. That's just not even a real statement. I mean, I, I'm not being political. I'm, I'm being absolutely, like, sterile here to say that's that's just like saying we'll have the walking dead in three days without zombies if we went away from fossil fuels. And the fact that the media even gives somebody like Elizabeth Warren a platform to say that, how do they even consider her a legitimate candidate? Again, this is not a political statement. This is a question. This is a question to every single media outlet out there. Do you really believe getting rid of fossil fuels and banning drilling is a legitimate act that the world or the United States should take? That that is absolutely insane. That that is one of the most insane comments I've ever heard. Yet that's now the new norm? That's the new narrative? It's just wild, folks. We are living in a very wild time. And listen, I like to have fun. I like to I like to make things bigger than 10 Super Bowls, so I like to exaggerate. I like to have fun, but I, I at the same time, I'm not stupid about it. I mean, I'll go have a glass of wine or two. I'm not going to drink 10 bottles because that's insane. And that's how I look at what the narrative for the environmental movement has gotten. What's wrong with plastic straws? Whatever happened to just, let's just start with straws, see how that goes. I've never met anybody in the oil and gas industry that's not about making the environment better. In fact, last time I checked, they were pretty much the only ones investing in trying to save the planet. 
everybody else is just drinking their Keurig coffee cups and pointing fingers. Do I need to show you pictures from the Dapple protest? I'm not saying shooting rubber bullets at protesters is called for. But if you're a protester, are you really going to leave behind that much garbage when you're trying to say that garbage is ruining the planet? The other side made no qualms about spraying water and rubber bullets. Whether I believed in that or not is irrelevant because everybody knew that was coming. But nobody knew that the protesters would leave a bunch of garbage behind and cost thousands and thousands of dollars worth of cleanup and make the environment worse because of it. That's where we're at. So, I, I mean, again, this is not a political statement. This is a recap of observations that have shown how we've gotten to where we've gotten today. So, whew, little soapbox here on this uh, weekend edition of the Crude Life Week. See, this is why we don't do politics. Just making observations got my blood boiling a little bit. And I don't want to get that excited like that. No, man. I'm at that age where I'm trying to reduce stress, not add stress. So let's just talk with William Prentice here today. William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group, talks about the Davis Refinery. It is a fantastic project that is happening in Belfield, North Dakota. Folks, you're going to be so proud of this refinery when it's said and done. They're going to set this global standard right there in the Bakken. Okay, the global standard. In fact, there's going to be a refinery in the Permian Basin after this Bakken one is done. So it's happening, folks. It's getting cleaner. Energy's getting cleaner every single day. So we don't need to get into the insane talk of, hey, let's just ban fracking. Let's just ban oil and gas. Okay. Why don't we just ban food? I mean, it's, it's absolutely insane. Sorry, I just I shake my head that um, I've been held accountable my entire life for making, you know, offhanded jokes and remarks and stupid ideas, blah, blah, blah. Yet, people can be considered a legitimate presidential candidate and say something as insane as, I'm going to ban drilling. That, I, I'm just dumbfounded by so many different things, like that that is even picked up in today's today's media. Like, that that's a legitimate thing. Just blows my mind. All right. We're going to take a quick break. We come back. William Prentice, the CEO of the Meridian Energy Group. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Crude Life Week in Review. Hi, it's Bill Prentice, Meridian Energy Group. A couple of things to talk about today. Thank you for joining us here on the Crude Life programs that we have. Let's just start off, first of all, by maybe getting an update. You know, we've covered this project for a few years. It seems like it's finally here and I just want to make sure that it is here. So let's just kind of remind our listeners kind of some of the latest and greatest things. The reason why we're covering this is because I believe it's going to be read about in history class. And the reason I think it's going to be read about in history class is because the shale play, the shale boom that's going on right now is revolutionizing the planet on many levels. One of the levels is the innovation of environmental energy technology. And the Davis Refinery out in the Bakken is one of those that is leading the way. And that's why we've been covering it every single week with the crude life because it's setting the global standard. Now, we're going to get into this in just a second here. But recently, the Davis Refinery's spearhead company, the parent company, Meridian Energy Group, announced 
a refinery down in the Permian. So let's start off by talking about, so how are you guys saving the planet these days? <laughs> yeah, Jason, thank you. Well, you know, you mentioned the shell revolution. It's changed the industry, um, and not just in the United States, the entire world. Um, quite frankly, in the United States, the refining industry doesn't know what to do with all this crude oil. It's kind of used to sipping out of tankers along the coast for the last five or six genera- or decades and uh, doesn't know what to do with it. Um, also, we're kind of tired of seeing pollution from major industrial plants. So when we got started on the Davis refinery, uh, we decided to do something quite a bit different. Uh, when we filed for our permits uh, as a full conversion refinery, as a minor source, uh, oil and gas journal called it historic so uh, i'm glad you also believe it's going to be part of the history books and we're committed to making it historic <clears throat> what we're doing is we're cheating uh, we're starting with a blank sheet of paper uh, we're designing a refinery that uh, is geared to saving every hydrocarbon it can from becoming pollution and becoming part of our finished products uh, when you know refineries were being designed a hundred years ago, uh, crude was dirt cheap, so it wasn't really worth it. Nobody really thought about pollution back then. But when I see something that could give rise to an escaped hydrocarbon, I see dollars and cents floating away. We're not going to do that. The refinery we're building in <clears throat> North Dakota is designed only to run on Bach and oil. Welcome back to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us. Coming up next, we have William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group, talking about the Davis Refinery coming to Belfield, North Dakota. The refinery we're building in North Dakota is designed only to run on Bakken oil. And when you design a project to run on a single crude oil, you don't have to design a lot of uh, what, what the refinery industry calls complexity into it. In other words, you don't put excess iron on the ground and, and have to heat it up all the time. And it's just only the equipment you need for that particular crude oil. And Bakken oil is probably the, the best oil to refine on the planet. You could argue that Saudi light was a little bit easier to process, but I really don't think so. Um, so we're starting out, you know, as I said earlier, by cheating. We're building a single-purpose refinery, very, very highly efficient refinery from a capital and a material point of view, and it's going to be much, much cleaner because we're going to integrate into the design and have integrated into the design. The latest, uh, you know, technological innovations from the last 40, 50 years. Um, And you mentioned uh, the Permian. Um, West Texas crude in many respects, is very similar to Bakken oil. Um, and so we're going to replicate the Davis refinery down there and, uh, and 
introduce Texas to a new kind of refinery as well. Now, that is called uh, the Walton Station Refinery, correct, down in the Permian? Yeah, yeah, the, uh, yeah, the area that this refinery is going to be located in, uh, just north of Kermit, Texas, is an area that's been ranched by the Walton family for generations. Not, not the Walton family from the TV. Huh. And, and there used to be a stage uh, line that ran through it, and a stage station was at the ranch house. So they asked us if we would uh, mind calling it Walton Station and agreed that would be a great name for the project. So Yeah, and um, so correct me if I'm wrong, though, because the thing that we've been talking about in this program is that, you know, the one thing that's really cool about what you guys are doing is you're going to set the global standard when it comes to refineries. The part that, you know, some people might maybe kind of rib you guys a little bit is that, well, by default, then you're going to be the global standard because you're the first people to do it in 50 years. Uh, is that going to roll over into the Permian? Is that kind of the idea here that that same similar technology, you touched on it a little bit with the, um, similar crude oil, but is it just from a 5,000-foot view? That's what we're talking about, right? Taking that technology, bringing it down to the Permian? Yeah, we've, uh, we've essentially integrated all of this new technology into a new kind of refinery, uh, and that's our, that's our trade secret. That's our secret sauce. Uh, this exact same design with slight modifications because you know, the uh, West Texas crude has a slightly higher sulfur content, so we have to do something uh, different on that score. But other than that, it's the same deal. It'll also be permitted as a synthetic minor source, and uh, there's no reason why we can't do this in every shale basin in the U.S. Is that kind of the idea? You know, I mean, I'm not saying that's on your business plan, but is that kind of, you know, the maybe after-hours talk? Is, you, you know, ideally we'd like to do this in every shale play? Well, you know what? It's it's what we have to do. Uh, we've decided that we're going to be an industry game changer. Uh, we're disruptive by nature, and the way you do that is by showing up uninvited and doing what you do. So that's our that's our our strategy is to do this throughout the United States and take the Davis uh, refinery, if you will, on a roadshow. Um, you know, and, and a lot of investors in our company are. North Dakota residents, and you know, it took us a long time to get our permits. It took us longer than we we thought it would. Uh, we had to invest a lot of money in engineering to get those permits done, more so than any other refiner has ever had to do. So we're going to get that money back for our investors by doing this over and over again. Well, I was going to ask you about that because you know, you guys have won every appeal that I can think of, and there's been a number of them, and. Some of them have just been outrageous, but I get it. You know, people know how to work the system, and there are some organizations that try to bleed people with their resources because they can. They can use the state as a tool as opposed to, you know, something positive. Um, and I mean that by the I'm, what I'm talking about, folks, is I'm not taking a shot here. I'm just saying when you have 11,000 response letters and 95% of them are copy and pasted from a special interest group. That's just that's that's wasting everybody's time, and you guys continue to win your your appeals. Um, just kind of talk to me a little bit about that. You know, are you guys okay with all that? I mean, it's obvious they were trying to stymie production, and you guys were patient along the way. And it's kind of hard 
being in the oil and gas industry because you're damned if you're doing, you're damned if you don't. So, I mean, how, how did you guys deal with the last couple of years? Because you're right, it took longer than anticipated. Yeah, it's it's been very frustrating because, you know, we expect people to look at us and see guys that are trying to do the right thing and, and guys and gals trying to do the right thing, um, which we are. Uh, we don't think we get credit for that a lot. Um, we can't fault anybody for for asking the questions that they ask or for participating in the permit process to the extent that they do. That's their right. And it's up to us to be willing to answer those questions and deal with those objections, uh, which we've always done. Now, I think that the fact that we've been winning in court every time we get challenged is is something that uh, speaks highly of the amount of work we did, um, the fact that we put so much into designing this project properly, uh, that we put so much time into understanding the law and are able to do something that nobody's been done, that nobody's been able to do before. Um, you know, the latest uh, set of court challenges, you know, and I, I get lectured all the time on not commenting on, uh, on legal stuff, but I mean, just reading through the recent appeal, um, there are factual uh, statements in there that are just simply not true, that have been proven to be untrue uh, for the last several iterations. And it's like uh, people just don't give us any credit and they don't listen or, or learn from the previous proceedings. So it's very frustrating to us, but we understand that the process is what it is and, and they have the right to participate. And we'll continue to, to meet those objections as they arise. I've talked to the Department of Health a few times. Um, William Prentice, CEO of Meridian Energy Group with us, talking about Davis Refinery in the Bakken and also the Walton Refinery, which they're in the preparation phases there. But the Department of Health up in the Bakken, North Dakota, they've they've expressed confidence, the fact that it's passed and seems to me like they're behind this project um is that playing into this at all i mean you know is as far as putting the permit to its accuracy with some of these people that are maybe still questioning it well yeah the the relationship with the department of health is is really important here um when we first filed the air quality permit application for davis back in october of 2016 uh, this had never been done before. Uh, they thought we were crazy. Uh, we spent a good solid year just explaining how this worked and why we were not crazy and why all of this technology was in fact proven and could be applied to this refinery. Uh, during the process, the uh, Department of Health, you know, they were, they were understandably nervous because of the whole DAPL thing, you know, the demonstrations on the DAPL pipeline. So they expected this to be equally contentious, and to a certain extent, they were right. Uh, and they put us through a very rigorous process. They even pulled the EPA in. Uh, EPA was not part of the legal process, but EPA is very, you know, has a good staff and a lot of knowledge about this kind of engineering. So they got involved too. And gradually, we were able to show that this was achievable um, and that, not only that, but it was the right way to do a refinery from now on. Uh, and I think, understandably, the Department of Health is uh, 
as proud of the result. Mr. William Prentice, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought for just a moment. We're going to take a quick pause. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation with the CEO of Meridian Energy Group, William Prentice. He's talking about the Davis Refinery they're constructing in Belfield, North Dakota. The first greenfield refinery to be built in the United States in over 50 years. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Crude Life Week in Review. This week, we're spotlighting Brooks West, the singer-songwriter. Check his website out, brookswestmusic.com. That's brookswestmusic.com. This is singer-songwriter Brooks West. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts. And then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio. And if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. From apartment to apartment, state to state, and it doesn't really matter where I go. There's only one place I could call my home. Welcome back to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us. Coming up next, we have William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group, talking about the Davis Refinery coming to Belfield, North Dakota. Uh, and I think, understandably, the Department of Health is uh, is proud of the result. Um, by the way, I should mention that as a result of that interaction, we changed the, the process. We actually improved the process, and we reduced the, the uh, emissions that we were applying for during the process. So the project became cleaner as a result of the Department of Health's involvement. And I think they're proud of that, and they should be. One of the other things that I know has come up from time to time is the location. And I've been following this pretty much from day one. And my understanding is that the zoning and conditional use permit has been issued. Um, the Billings County Board of Commissioners are on board with this. And those are the ones that are there locally. And so I understand, you know, some of the other Groups, when they pull out a Google map and a few other things, they can they can look. But is that put to bed? Is that is that at all 
And, and what's going on there, I guess, you know, as far as that location part? Because I thought that was already put to rest. Well, it is. Um, you know, there are two kinds of permits. There are land use permits um, and environmental permits. We've been, we get a lot of press about the air quality thing, and that's, uh, that's important, of course. But, you know, that's one of the things we have to do to build a project. And, in fact, our conditional use permit from the county of Billings uh, specified that, that it was only valid if we go out and get all the other permits needed, including the air quality permit. But when you go through the land use process, uh, you're essentially proving to the local agencies that the site you've selected is appropriate for the use that you are trying to establish there, in this case, a refinery. And that's, you know, why they call it a conditional use permit. If you satisfy them that it's a good use for that property and you agree to certain conditions, then you have the right to build your plant there. And that's what we did with the uh, Billings County um, Board of Commissioners. And that permit was granted in July of 2016. And we have the right to put the refinery on that site. And during that process, uh, we went through all of the things that you typically have to and in our case, we adopted as a standard all of the uh, issues that you have to look at and things you have to satisfy if you were going to put a project in California, which has by far the most rigorous interpretation of those laws. So we did that through the county, and uh, including, you know, at the time, there was a lot of concern about visual impact from uh, Teddy Roosevelt Park. So we did a lot of line-of-sight studies and proved pretty conclusively that you cannot, will not see the refinery from the park. Um, you know, that was a pretty uh, contentious subject in and of itself. Uh, and since then, uh, there's been, you know, there have been some people who oppose the refinery that say that we should subject ourselves to a, a siting process through the Public Service Commission. Uh, we do not apply for jurisdiction by the, uh, the Public Service Commission. We're, we're just under their threshold. Uh, it's already something we've dealt with at the county level, so we don't see the need or, or think it's advisable for the PSC to get involved in this entire project. Uh, if, we have to, if we decide that we want to expand the project later on, uh, we'll probably have to go to the Public Ser Service Commission to get that done, but right now, Everything's been done. All of the land use permits, all of the environmental permits uh, have been received, and the project is going to get built, period. Well, that brings me up to why I'm even seeing some of these headlines from time to time, because, you know, I'll be honest, I got rid of my TV over 10 years ago, so I haven't, <laughs> I, I haven't watched the local news in over 10 years. I, I just had a meeting yesterday with a, a city government, and you're, you'll get a kick out of this, so... We're in this meeting, and they're talking about their their big 25-year MBA marketing specialty person. And I'm brought in for just to be a fly on the wall, basically. And so they, they asked for my opinion, and I look at them, and I said, well, I'm 44 years old, and I haven't had a TV in over 10 years. It's been 12 years. I have not watched the local news. Um, I go, I produce a lot of news myself so i don't read a lot of other people's news i go honestly so and then they're they because 
they were talking about different avenues of trying to reach, you know, residents and things like that. And I looked at them and I said, I think there's more of me being born every day than the other people, you know, people that are not watching the local news and et cetera. So when I see that some of the local coverage on this, that's what I'm wondering is like, I didn't even know it was still going on. Like, I didn't even know there was still a debate because, you know, I've talked to you. I've talked to the health department. I've talked to the, um, zoning people. I've talked to Billings County commissioners. I've talked to local residents and everybody seems to be moving ahead. And then all of a sudden you get someone in South Carolina that's got a problem and we got to do something about it. Are you guys just about fed up or what? <laughs> I guess is probably my question. Um, anyway. Well, you know, we get these stories once in a while and, you know, people are out there looking for things to report about and so when somebody files another appeal or something like that or expresses a concern, uh, people are people know that there's an interest in hearing about the Davis refinery, so you'll get a story. Um, I kind of look at it as an opportunity to tell our side again. Uh, so, yeah, I, I get kind of tired of going over the same points all the time, uh, <laughs> especially when it's, you know, it, it, like a this recent appeal on the air quality permit, um, you know, we get frustrated by that. And I just wonder why, you know, the same set of facts needs to be looked at over and over and over again. But again, you know, it's another opportunity for us to brag about how clean this refinery is. Uh, it just recently came up that, you know, somebody was very concerned about air pollution at, at the park. And, you know, I, Nobody paid attention when we brought this up the first time a couple of years ago, but it's very simple to run the numbers and determine that air pollution from the, you know, 700,000 or so cars that visit the TR National Park every year, that air pollution is by far greater than the air pollution that will be caused by the refinery. People are astonished to hear that, but it, it gives us an opportunity to put it in perspective that, Yes, this is a brand new kind of refinery, and it does not emit even one-tenth of the emissions of any other refinery in the country on a per-barrel capacity basis. Um, it's more like the amount of pollution from uh, seven or eight uh, uh, pump jacks out in the oil field. Uh, it's just a very clean plant, and uh, we can prove that it's that clean. I'll tell you, I think the oil and gas is in a very unique position right now in, in the timeline of everything because, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, the oil and gas industry has been in a tough position because they're damned if they do and they're damned if they don't. They're one of the kings of the economy. And so the big guy always gets picked on if they're trying to do good or whatever. And so um, the, way the, <clears throat> the way environmentalism has gone, the, the the drive behind it is I feel so confident in saying it's now gotten to a religious status to where you have enough people blindly following it without really giving any depth of thought behind it to where you actually at the remember the Dapple protest, there was rubber bullets fired and the um, the old veterans got on the other side. So you got, you know, m military type environments. So the, the, the holy war drums are beaten type thing. So. When I look at it, though, the reason I say it's become like a blind, a blind type following is a lot of these protesters are not actually trying to help the planet. They're just pointing fingers and <clears throat> pointing at problems and, 
you know, drinking Keurig coffees and texting on their iPhones and driving their electric cars. Electric cars are powered by coal. iPhones take about 28 rare minerals that, you know, that mining on the earth is not, you know, that type of thing. So the whole new wave of environmentalism is based on just ridiculousness, in my opinion, to where I think the oil and gas industry has a great opportunity right now to say, we're the only ones saving the planet. We're the only ones trying to help the planet because everyone else is just pointing fingers and not doing anything about it. So I, I, I like I love what you guys are doing because this is one of those examples of here's the oil and gas industry truly saving the planet. Because you know as well as I do what's going to happen is... Mr. William Prentice, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought for just a moment. We're going to take a quick pause. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation with the CEO of Meridian Energy Group, William Prentice. He's talking about the Davis Refinery they're constructing in Belfield, North Dakota, the first greenfield refinery to be built in the United States in over 50 years. My name is Jason Spies, and this is The Crude Life We Can Review. To the place where I was born, where my heart still resides, where the nighttime lights earth and line on the horizon. Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects, groundbreaking with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. You can run from a winter time in the midnight black. Welcome back to The Crude Life, Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us. Coming up next, we have William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group, talking about the Davis Refinery coming to Belfield, North Dakota. This is going to have a reverse ripple effect, and you're going to see a lot of refineries over time, say over the next 10 years, implementing roots and seeds of your guys's technology into their plants am, am i out of line for saying that or is that kind of what you see you've been in this business a long time and they constantly seem about self-correction in my mind well you know i yeah i've been in the energy business my entire career and i've not always been proud of the facilities i've worked on and that was part of what i wanted to accomplish here at meridian and and the rest of my colleagues here we want to do this in, in the right way, and, and we consider ourselves uh, missionaries, if you will, that you can take the, the uh, conventional energy business and make it green. Um, you know, it's one thing to be in here swinging and trying to make things happen that are, that are going to clean things up, and it'd be nice to get some advice and help once in a while, and then 
like you point out, you know, you get a lot of people that observe what we're doing and then jump in their SUV to drive to a meeting to call us a bunch of criminals for building a refinery. Um, you know, it just, it, it lacks credibility. And I think a lot of the people that we are hearing from as opponents are somewhat hypocritical. It's been my view, looking at what we're going to do to change this industry, that if you are an environmentalist, and you do not support this refinery, you're a hypocrite. Uh, we're gonna be making it necessary by, by building this plant and putting it into operation. We change the definition of what best available control technology is. And we make it absolutely necessary for every other refiner in the business to gradually come over and, and do things our way as they modify and upgrade their plants. Um, it also raises the bar for any brand new refineries, whether we build them or not. Uh, if we build them, I mean, you know, Davis is going to be the cleanest on the planet when it's built. Uh, Walton Station down in Texas is going to come online about a year or so after Davis. At the time it comes online, it'll probably be a little bit cleaner because we'll have learned things too. But everything is going to get cleaner. And conventional oil and gas can and will now start to clean up its act. And it's gonna make the planet a much better place without, as you point out, uh, opening up the earth and ripping out all these rare earth elements that have to go into batteries and doing all kinds of things that are considered unsightly. You know, I, I'm a, a rock climber. I, I consider myself an environmentalist. I'd love to get out into the back country. And, you know, if I ever have a chance to do so again, it'll be long enough that I can forget uh, what English even sounds like if I, if I have my, my druthers. But, you know, there are vast areas of the California desert now that are covered with uh, solar panels. Uh, you know, a million dollars invested in Davis will reduce greenhouse gases by several multiples over and above what that same investment in solar or wind would accomplish. That's the part that I you just can. don't. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to say you can make tremendous strides in cleaning things up with conventional oil and gas. That's what I was. I was going to kind of piggyback off that a little bit and say I'm surprised you haven't actually had some environmental groups coming out and saying this is what we need to do instead of just blindly saying you know we should get rid of fossil fuels. That's because that's that's that that's the argument nowadays is they start with let's get rid of fossil fuels and they don't even look at what actually is being done. And I feel very confident saying that because they're doing they're trying to eliminate it in Colorado. They're they're doing the same exact thing that California did with the smoking ban and North Dakota did with the smoking ban where you use health and safety and a certain amount of feet from public safety and children and then you just eliminate the marketplace. And they did in North Dakota by saying you couldn't smoke within 50 feet. And California, at least you can go outside. But it was early on, and that was kind of the template for the whole, you know, public health thing. And now I'm starting to see that in Colorado a little bit. So when if people listening think that, you know, Mr. Prentice and myself are, are, myself are a little bit of chicken little here, I don't think so. I, I actually think now's the time when the energy industry needs to step up like you're doing and like Colorado Strong is doing. And that's kind of a non-traditional role for the oil and gas. Do you know what I mean by that? Where they have never been comfortable kind of standing up for themselves because 
they were always just so powerful. You know, they're always just considered one of the big dogs, so to speak. But right now, there's a legitimacy behind it. There really is um, to where they're, like I said, they're trying to ban it in Colorado, essentially. So uh, anyway, there we go. We a little sidebar topic here today. <laughs> See, but you're right. I mean, everybody since John D. <clears throat> Rockefeller, you know, uh, faced the breakup of Standard Oil. The industry has been afraid to stand up for itself as, as you know, uh, withstanding all these robber baron kind of arguments. And we just have to get over that. Yeah, uh, I, I, I think so, too. Nothing to be ashamed of. You know, you know, big things have small beginnings. And uh, this whole concept of a clean refinery began in North Dakota. We're very proud of what we've done so far. I can't wait to get this thing built and in operation. And it, it is going to change the industry. And it started right there in Belfield. And that was William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group. To listen to the entire interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. That's going to do it this week for the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. I'd like to thank you folks for joining us over the radio We'll be back next week at this time on this radio station. And for those of you streaming us on the Internet, we appreciate you choosing us for your content. We know there's a million different places to get your content today, so we appreciate it very much. And if you're listening on iTunes or one of the other podcast platforms that we're on, we thank you very much. And any comments that you leave, those are just loved as well. Apparently, Apple and some of these other podcast places they rank a lot of value on it, which I don't understand. I'm, I'm not trying to get into a soapbox here, but again, these comments and, and some of these other things, all people have to do is pay someone to do it. And then all of a sudden, so if you got deep pockets and you got some unethical um, desires to you know manufacture comments, I mean, that just seems a little bit odd to me. But hey, I get it. It's the world we live in today, folks, and I'm not going to discount it because who knows it's probably sour milk and jealousy talking i don't know but if you folks want to leave a comment go right ahead i appreciate it if not hey you enjoy your day because we're going to our sun is going to come up tomorrow whether you leave a comment or not but we will appreciate it also if you go to our website thecrudelife.com you can check out our social media links we have 350,000 social media followers we got facebook and youtubes and twitters and tweeters and Insta no I don't yeah I think we have Instagram I have no idea honestly because I don't do much on the social media outside of you know having my content posted on there I just I can't keep up with it I mean we they have social media managers they actually pay people just to be on social media that, that's how people make a living now so whew. I don't know I don't know about you folks but I still like the good old-fashioned handshake day-to-day which by the way June 14th the Bakken barbecue I will be there I will be the master of ceremonies so come on by the Bakken barbecue June 14th I would love to shake your hand and press the flesh a little bit and say god it's so nice to have a face-to-face connection all right with that said we'll see you next week folks from the staff at the crude life we can review my name is Jason Spies asking you to keep calm and frack on
Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. 